Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. So if you have a copy of God's Word, a Bible, uh, maybe it's your first time to church and you're like, dude, I don't have a Bible, that's okay. Maybe you brought a phone with you and you can uh, open up your phone, pull out a Bible app. Uh, I use one called Version, and you can just open it up and uh, turn with us. And today, we're going to be doing something a little different. Um, we haven't lately, as a church, spent a lot of time here, but we're going to be in the Old Testament. So uh, if you would, turn with me <clears throat> to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. Some of you going, first Samuel, there's a first Samuel in the Bible? First Samuel chapter 17, um, and uh, turn there. As we uh, go there today, we're starting a brand new sermon series called New Year Fresh Starts, and, uh, and that's for a couple of reasons. Uh, one thing that I realized is that a lot of times there's a lot of people, not even just in the church, just a lot of people in general who don't like New Year. Like, New Year just doesn't mean anything, and I get it. Like, last time we all celebrated a New Year, the whole world shut down, you know? Like, I get it. Like, we don't, we're a little cautious this year, right, of being like, hey, Happy New Year, you know? It's like, well, we'll wait and see. We'll see what happens, you know? And so, like, I get it. We don't want to do that. So I'm not here to say, like, oh, it's a new year. We need to make a bunch of resolutions, all right? Like, I'm not trying to ask you guys to lie in church, all right? So this is not, like, one of those things. Um, but I also didn't want to be like, hey, it's a new year and a new you, because to be honest with you, it's not. We are over a week into the new year, and we are all pretty much the same, all right? Like, I mean, you made it. Like, none of you, uh, none of you, like, disintegrated, and also none of you have achieved all of your goals. So we're all on equal ground today, all right? We've all made it, so it is not a new year, new you. Uh, it is, but what it can be is a new year and a fresh start, and, and so listen, I don't just believe in, you know, we can come to church and that will change us. I believe only a relationship with Jesus can change us. Like, I believe that with all of my heart. But here's what I do believe. I do believe that being part of God's church, and I do believe opening up God's word, and I do believe a new year can be an opportunity for you to have a fresh start into things. Like, I believe that Jesus, all throughout the calendar year, was about giving people a fresh start. You know what I'm saying? And so I just believe, like, if you're here today and you're like, Brandon, I need a fresh start. Here's the deal. Some of you need a fresh start from 2022. 22 was not a great year. It was a hard year. It was a messed up year. And you're like, yeah, I'll take flipping the calendar. I'm, I love flipping the calendar. Like, let's get 2022 out of here. Some of you are like, 2022 was great. I could use a fresh start from last week. Like, last week was what was miserable, and I could use a fresh start. And some of you would be like, Brandon, I could use a fresh start from 8 o'clock this morning. Like, let's just get a fresh start right now. And so I got some good news for you. Jesus does that, all right? And so, uh, so that's what we mean by, like, a fresh start. There's no time table on this. Like, I don't want you to feel like those who aren't here this week but may listen to this podcast, I don't want you to be like, oh man, I wasn't there. I missed my fresh start. Like, you can have a fresh start with Jesus anywhere, anyhow, anytime, all right? That's what Jesus offers to us. But I want to take a few weeks this month and talk about some things that I think as a church you can do to receive a fresh start from Jesus. 
Because here's what I want to tell you. No one is going to grow closer to Jesus this year on accident. Nobody is going to grow closer to Jesus this year in 2023 on accident. You're not going to get to this time next year and be like, man, that was the best year of my life. And I go, yeah, tell me about it. I don't know. It was just awesome. Well, what did you do? I didn't do anything. Well, I'm just so close to God. Well, tell me, how did you get close to God? I don't know. It's just ha- like, that's not going to happen, all right? Like, getting closer to God is not an accident. It's intentional. Getting close to God is not an accident. It's intentional. You don't accidentally bump your way into him. You can intentionally pursue the heart of God. And here's what I know. God, when he is sought, loves to be found. And so I just believe today that if we take the next few weeks and get a fresh start this year, no matter where you're at, whether it's a fresh start for the year or a fresh start for your week, I don't care what, how you want to look at it, but we all could use a fresh start. And, man, I just believe Jesus wants to give us that as a church. And so that's going to be a little bit what we're going to be talking about. Hey, I want to encourage you guys today. Um, man, I want to encourage you to take notes during our message time today. And we put some notes cards along with your response cards on your seat. So if you guys want to pull those out, you can take notes with us. Feel free to use your phone as well. Um, uh, and then uh, also uh, fill out that blue response card Wes was talking about earlier. And uh, you can even do some doodling on it if you want. All right, so we'll do that. Hey, uh, uh, as we open up, we're going to read a really familiar story today. And uh, here's going to be like the, our tendency is going to be to be like, yeah, yeah, I know the story. But I think what's really cool is we're going to actually read the story. Because a lot of us know the story, but it's been a long time since we've read the story. And I think like when we go back and read it, we pick up on a lot of small things that maybe we didn't notice, you know, 15 years ago when we read the story. And so maybe like we can look at it freshly. But here's what, here's what I want us to get today is that as you're going to make a fresh start, you're going to enter a battleground. If you're going to get a fresh start, you're going to enter a battleground. Here's what I know. I know that this past year, for so many in our church, not everybody, I'm not trying to be a downer, but for not everybody, but for so many in our church, 2022 was a hard year especially the last couple of months of the year, I can't tell you how many people came up to me, and, and even my family included, and were like, what is going on? It's just like we're all under attack. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's what happens. Like when you're pushing the gospel forward, and doesn't make it easy, it doesn't make it any easier, but it does help you get through it to know that it's expected. But here's what I want you to know. If you're going to press in and get to know God this year, you're going to enter a battleground. And as your pastor, I don't want to sit here and say, make it all easy and give you a new year message and say, it's all going to be butterflies and bunnies and cupcakes and it's just going to be the best thing ever. Like, go get them, guys. And then you go get your butts kicked all week and you come back, you're like, what was that? Right? I don't want that. Like, what I want is for us to realistically go into this year knowing that it is a battleground. But listen, I want you to realistically go into this year knowing it's a battleground, but the battle has already been won if we follow Jesus. And so I want to take you a look. It doesn't take much. Like, I was just reminded of this um, this week as I was kind of walking around I was and driving around town. Guys, we are surrounded by battlefields in Fredericksburg. 
Like, have you ever noticed that? There's like a battlefield everywhere. And there's like the popular, there's like four main battlefields around Fredericksburg. Then there's all these other random plots of land that are like, and then a little battle happened here, a domestic dispute happened here in the 1800s. You know, George Washington got upset over here. And it's just like, there's all of these other many battlegrounds that happen. And it's like we're just in uh, surrounded by one constant battleground. I brought some pictures uh, to show you guys of some battlegrounds. Uh, if we can put those up. This is, anybody know what battlefield that is? Chancellorsville. Anybody get that right? You win a new car? All right, no, no, all right. It's Chancellorsville. Anybody ever been there? You've been to Chancellorsville Battlefield. Okay, we're taking a field trip, people. We're taking a field trip. It's really nice, all right? Uh, take a little picnic. See the, count the snow. Oh, okay, we're moving on. There's the, um, this is, what is this? This is the Fredericksburg Battlefield. You guys ever been to, who's been to Fredericksburg Battlefield? Okay, a few more people. Yeah, it's nice. Got some nice views and really good, really cool place, Fredericksburg. All right, go to the next one. Then you got, uh, anybody know where this is? Spotsylvania Courthouse Battlefield, right? And uh, that's that. These view, I actually uh, took these two. I didn't take the first picture myself. Obviously, I pulled that off the internet. But I got these two. And then uh, there's uh, this last one that a lot of times we don't think about, but uh, Quantico, right? And uh, it's a pretty significant battlefield. It's not really a battlefield, but it symbolizes that, right? Like, um, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen Like, We even have our own miniature uh, memorial, Iwo Jima Memorial right there. It's pretty cool. So anyway, um, but I wanted you guys to to see like we are surrounded by battlefields and so today we're going to open up God's word and figure out like what does God's word say about battle so first Timothy I'm sorry first Samuel I've been preparing for that let's see first Samuel chapter 17 and if you're there say I'm there great news all right here we go let's start in verse one it says, now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekah and Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in the line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. So I want you to just see the, the stage is set, okay, um, because there's going to be a battle. Now, you've got the Philistines and the Israelites. Now, the Philistines represent not God's people, and the Israelites represent God's people. So these are the people, the Israelites represented by God, Philistines, these are the people not represented by God, and they are on separate mountains. So you've got a mountain over here, and you've got all the Philistines, then you've got a mountain over here, and you have all of God's people, the Israelites, and then you have a valley in between and so what happens is these armies come and they collect and they face each other and they know man a battle is about to ensue and a lot of times like when we hear this story we think of it like we see you know coloring pages and stuff like that if you grew up in church but I want you to see this is geared up for war like, this is geared up for battle. Like, people are going to lose their lives. Like, people are going to are away from their families. Like, they are setting up and battle. War is about to ensue, all right? So the scene is set. We got the Philistines. We got the Israelites. God's people, not God's people, about to go at it, all right? Let's uh, go to verse 4. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath. Everyone say Goliath. Good. whose height was six cubits and a span. 
that is about nine feet nine inches all right so six cubits in a span it's like six cubits and some more is about nine feet nine inches that's a tall tall guy right um he had a helmet of bronze on his head i'm in verse five and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of bronze the point here is this is heavy very heavy and he uh, verse 6 and he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and his shield bearer went before him and he stood and he shouted to the ranks of israel why have you come out to draw up for battle am i not a philistine or are you not servants of saul now listen that's really important because Goliath is not acknowledging that they are God's people. Goliath is acknowledging their king, who is Saul. He is not acknowledging their God, who is Yahweh. Okay, that's significant. He goes on, he says, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. So you can imagine at this point, Goliath has come down the mountain is standing in the valley and is shouting up and be like ha you guys look like you're ready for a battle so come on down in fact just pick one person just send one person down and let's kind of get this battle started then he says in verse 9 if he's able to fight with me and kill me then we will be your servants but if i prevail against him and kill him then you shall be our servants and serve us and the Philistine said, this is Goliath. Everyone say Goliath. He says, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Sounds like someone who didn't get hugged enough as a child. Verse 11, when Saul, sorry. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid man what an what an epic story like i want you to look and see like throughout all of this goliath is down here he's he's calling out to them he's like come on let's go let's fight let's let's get a battle going like pick somebody and come on down and then he just shouts out like i defy israel and even though he hasn't like directly named god now it's not about the king it's about all of the people and the God whom they represent. To defile means to, um, means to insult. It means to like aggressively, um, you know, throw away and, and to dismiss. And, and that's what's happening. And so as the giant is down there, Goliath doing that, it says, uh, imagine the camera phasing up to the side of the mountain with the Israelites. And it says, and God's people were dismayed which means they were under high distress. So imagine chaos, imagine crying, imagine confusion, imagine running away, imagine just mass chaos. They were under distress and they were very afraid. The battle hasn't even really started yet and God's people are paralyzed at the battle that stands before them you ever get that way where you haven't even fought the battle yet you've just worked it up so much in your head 
that you're like, I'm going to do this, and then this is going to happen, and what if this happens, and what if that happens, and then this might happen, and you've already played a battle out in your head enough that it has totally paralyzed you. And you're like, man, I don't want to do that. I hate that. No, let's keep reading. Look at verse 12 with me. It says, now David, everyone say David. You guys know where we're going yet? Okay, some of you do, all right. Now David was the son of an Aphrodite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle, and the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand, morning and evening. I love this part of the story because we get a picture of the giant that's angry. We get a picture of God's people afraid and scared and shaking and hiding. And then we get a picture, it pans to a field of nice sheep and butterflies and it's very nice and pleasant and there's David and we get a story we hear David has some brothers and they're fighting the battle they're on the front lines their boots are shaking behind bushes on the mountain but David he was a shepherd he would just go check on his dad make sure everything's good at home then he'd go back to the field make sure the sheep were okay and that was kind of the life that David lived man the point of this is that David is the last person that we would ever expect to be part of this story. Like, that's what makes it crazy to me, is when I go back and I read verse 12, and it says, now David. Like, like if I'm, I mean, this scene is set up for epic battle. I mean, this scene is set up for something epic and amazing and a fight and a, a giant and God's people and the Philistines and rah, we got like a big scene going on. And then all of a sudden it's like, and then David, sweet, sweet David, tending the sheep, doing his thing. He is the least likely person that anyone reading that, like if you're, if you're God's people hundreds of years from now and they're sitting you down having story time and they're reading it, you're like drooling. You're like, oh, Philistine, a giant, God's people. Oh, rah, 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 well, what's going to happen? And then the, the author or the storyteller goes, and then David. And you go, David? The guy who wrote Psalms? The guy who's like a little frou-frou? Like the guy who, who like, you know, was all in his fields? Like that guy, David? What's he got to do with the story? He's like one of the last guys that you would imagine being part of this, and yet he is. Here's what I think is also significant, is that it says Goliath marched down the valley day and night for 40 days, taunting God's people, messing with them, would not go away. Let me ask you a question. You ever feel like your problem is never going to go away? Seriously, you ever feel like the, the battle that you're facing is never going to end? That like, you're like, Brandon, yeah, I'm in a battle. I'm in a battle in these ways and these ways. And I do, I feel like it's been a month already. It's been six months. It's been a year. It's been five years. Brandon, it's been my whole life is a battle. And you're wondering like, is this thing ever going to go away? And I bet that's how the Israelites felt. 
for 40 days being taunted by this giant who would not go away. And no one, for 40 days, nobody said, fine, I'll go. No, they're all still hiding. Like for 40 days, nobody volunteered to be the scapegoat. Like they're all still behind the rocks and the bushes, shaking in their boots and their armor, like afraid. That's what they're all doing. But then God brought to mind this week, isn't it something? You know how long our Lord and Savior Jesus went into the wilderness and battled and was tempted by Satan for 40 days? Here's what it reminds me of. It reminds me that, brothers and sisters, when we go to Jesus, we go to someone who knows what it's like to battle for the long haul. Like, we don't have a Savior. We're not worshiping someone today who played it safe and had it easy in this life. We're worshiping someone who, as God, came down as a man to subject himself to the same travesty that the Israelites were facing on the mountain. So when you feel like Jesus isn't hearing you, when you feel like this battle is never going to end and might wage forever, just remember you've got a Savior that knows exactly what that feels like. Man, love the fact that um, whatever's happening, like Jesus knows and he understands, right? Let's keep, let's keep reading in verse 17. It says, uh, and Jesse, that's David's father, said to David, his son, take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these 10 loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. So Jesse packed a lunch for the brothers who were supposed to be fighting. I don't think he knows that they're cowering in fear right now. And now David is just the lunch boy. He's just delivering their lunch. Verse 18, also take these 10 cheeses to the commander of their thousands. Isn't that great? The commander's having a little charcuterie board, right? So they got some, some cheeses and, uh, uh, and, and see if your brothers are well and bring some token from them. So that was just like the dad, Jesse, wanting to know you're alive. So bring something, like a piece of their cloth. Usually it was a piece of their clothing or something. So I know that they're still alive. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, everyone say Goliath, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. Listen to this part. And David heard him. Now, this is so different because these people have been hearing Goliath for 40 days. David, he's been hanging out with sheep. He hasn't heard it, and all of a sudden, he hears it, and something calls out to him. Look at verse 24. It says, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you, ha have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he's come up to defy Israel, and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now you've got to understand, 
to be uncircumcised back then, well, to be circumcised meant you were God's people. And so to be uncircumcised meant you were not of God's people. So you did not represent God. So what David is saying there is, who is this Philistine who doesn't even have God on his side? Like, who is this enemy who is not supported by the Lord our God? Do you understand, like, where David's mind went? He didn't say, how tall is that guy? He didn't say, like, how much armor does he He has his own armor bearer. I'd need help just bringing sack lunches. Like, he didn't do any of that. David just looks and says, well, who... Who's the dude that doesn't have God on his side? Who's this cat making so much noise? Then he says this. um, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? See, David got it. David got it. The giant wasn't just defying an ethnic group. The, the giant Goliath wasn't just defying a country or a nation or an army. The giant was defying the living God in whom that nation represented. And guys, like, like you need to understand that most of the time the battles that we face are not against you personally. They are battles that are being waged against the God in whom we worship. Like we need to understand that there is a real battle happening. And that's what David sees. David literally sees it. Um, let's, uh, it's interesting because what, what's crazy is that David, like his interest wasn't in, you know, you go and say, hey, anybody that fights them, they're going to get a place in the palace. They're going to be second to the king. They're going to get all this power and influence and money and wealth. And David wasn't interested in any of that. Like David didn't say, well, how much wealth is the king worth? Like David didn't go back and say, wait, can you repeat that last part again about the wife? Because that sounds good. Like David didn't do any of that. David looks at him and goes, oh, well, who's the dude? Who's the dude getting all up on our God? Like, who's the dude defying our God? See, David's interest wasn't in trophies or military honors or slashes or or more credit to his name. David's interest was to protect the name of the Lord, not his own name. And so, guys, sometimes we are fighting a bunch of unnecessary battles. Battles to protect ourselves when we are already protected by the God of the universe. We spend so much time protecting our own honor, our own reputation, our own name, when in reality, God's got that. And man, we got a world defying the name of the living God of the universe, Jesus Christ. And David says, now that's a battle cry I can start to get behind. See, David loved God so much that he couldn't stand to hear his name under attack. And so what compelled David into battle, listen to me, is, was not his testosterone. What compelled David into battle was not his, he had a history of anger issues and being hot-tempered and escalating drama. That's not what got David into the battle. What got David into the battle was his love for God. What got David in the battle was that he loved God. And guys, what will get us in the battle, what will get us closer to God is not doing a bunch of stuff or trying to be a certain person, but what will get us closer to God is truly loving God. That anything that may affront God in our life will be put away, will be fought ferociously 
so that we can maintain our love for God. Let's keep reading. Verse 28, it says, Now Eliab, the eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the, to the men. Um, oh, sorry, I didn't read verse 27. And the people answered him in the same way, so shall it be done to the man who kills him. Verse 28. Now Eliab, the eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. So the brother's angry. He's like, I know you're just an evil shepherd who couldn't stand being with the sheep and you just came to stick your nose in the business and see what all's going on. <laughs> and David said, well, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way and the people answered him again as before. So David's going around finding people under rocks, under bushes, being like, what are you scared of? This dude's attacking the living God. Let's go. And they're like, ah, and they're like covering themselves. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. Saul was the king. And David said to King Saul, no man's heart fail because of him. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him, struck him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I'd catch him by his beard, strike him, and kill him. Okay, not the pretty shepherd that I imagined. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, oh my, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Can't you just... Can't you just see and experience the drama? Like David knows that this fight against him and this fight against Israel is really a fight against the Lord. And that there's a battle going on here that nobody can see. And it's not the Philistines versus the Israelites, right? It's good versus evil. It's the enemy versus God. And this can be just like your life when you're in a battle. A lot of times we... we just think we got to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and get on with it. We got to muster up enough strength that we got to take this into our own hands and make something happen. And guys, what we forget is that, man, every day we're in a battle, guys. And the Lord, man, the Lord who helped you breathe today, the Lord who helped you wake up this morning, the Lord who sustains you through the night. The Lord who has saved your soul, the Lord who provided you a job and has given you a family, the Lord who comforts you in your loneliness, this is the same God who will also fight for you on the daily. This is the same God. Man, this battle, what David is showing us is this battle is not a man fought. This battle is God-centered. This battle is about God. It's about God and their lives. It's not about the outward physical uh, battle, fight. And I love this because that means the spotlight, what David does, 
is David took the spotlight that was shining down on the valley to Goliath, and, and, and David took that spotlight off of Goliath and shined it on God and said, this is the Lord's battle. And guys, that may be something that some of us need to do this year. If we're going to battle and fight to be closer to God than we ever have been, then maybe we need to take the spotlight off of our enemy. We need to take the spotlight off of our battles and put the spotlight on how big our God is. Because it is not about the size of your battle, right? It is about the size of your God. Let's keep, uh, keep reading here in verse 38. Uh, then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go for he had not yet tested them. And then David said to Saul, I, I, I can't go with these. Uh, for I, I haven't tested them. So David put them off. I love that because David's playing it off, right? The fact is it's too big for David. David can't literally walk in the armor uh, because it is too heavy and too big for him. So David's like, ah, oh, yeah, I mean, I just pictured a guy on the Christmas story, right, with like the uh, coat and can't move or whatever, and that's David, right? And David's like, oh, I haven't tested these. I don't think I should bring them, right? And uh, it's like, yeah, well, okay, David, whatever. Um, and so, so that, that's what's happening here. Um, then he says uh, in verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook, put them in his little shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Isn't this amazing? He puts down all the armor and grabs what God has given to him. Some stones, puts them in his pouch, and his staff. And he heads out to battle. And the Philistine uh, moved forward and came near David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Let's go. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Man, come on. So good. Everybody's like, yeah, the Bible doesn't really interest me. <laughs> Crazy. Unfortunately, that, that scene doesn't make it into the coloring book in our kids' ministry. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's a pretty good one, right? Now, I love this. Because, David, man, if you're taking notes, some of you, this is your life verse this year. You, you just need to go back and you need to read verse 47 again. Man, and you just need to say that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves. And he's not saving with a sword and spear, things we can see, right? Because the battle is the Lord's. And he'll give it into our hands. And for some of you, that, that just became your theme verse this year. For some of you, you got a new tattoo idea. Like for some of you, that's your thing, right? 
And that's, because listen, that's how we have to live this year. David knows that there is a fight. Okay, he's not running from reality. No, it is a fight. It is a battle. And I'm not guaranteed victory, but here's what I know. The battle's not about me. The battle is, is personal, but it's not personal with David and Goliath. It's a battle against the giant and God. Like, this is not a battle against the Philistines and the Israelites. This is a battle for God to show off his glory and flex his muscles. See, there's a battle going on that nobody else knows about or can see. And this is a picture, really, of what Christ does for us, right? And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because I want to be really careful in how we understand this passage and, and what's happening. And the reason I want us to be really careful is because it'd be really easy to get up and take this and say, so we all fight battles. At the end of the day, God wins. You win. Happy New Year. And I'll see you. Next. And like, honestly, guys, that's not the context of what's happening here. It's really not about your personal victory. It's about the glory and the greatness of our God. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. There are two types of battles that all of us in this room, whether you are a Christian or not a Christian, whether you're just checking things out or not, whether it's your first time back to church in 10 years or five years, like this is two battles that we all face. Number one are daily battles. We all face daily battles, right? And, and listen, I want to be honest because there's a lot of people who will even say like, oh, daily battles don't matter. It's really just all about, you know, your salvation. And once you're saved, that's all God cares about. And I, guys, I just practically disagree with that. Like, I, I just believe that I have a relationship with God who cares about my day to day. Like, I honestly believe that I serve a God who didn't save me and put me on a shelf. Like, I believe that I have a God who saved me to be in intimate, close, personal relationship with him. That he can walk with me, that he can be with me, that, that he, is, he, is, he knows my thoughts and, and he's walking with me. And, and no matter how, like, intense or things get, no, no matter how much even I get distracted and forget him, that he sees me that he loves me, that he knows me. Like, I just believe, guys, that we have a God who cares about your day-to-day. And I believe that he knows that battles are not just big. Sometimes there are a lot of little battles that get fought every single day in our lives. And so I don't know, like, what are some of your daily battles? And that's what I want you to write down. I want you to think about what are some of the daily battles this year that you need to give over to the Lord, that you need to say, no, this battle is the Lord's, not mine. I've been spinning away in my hamster wheel trying to fix this thing. And it's not my battle. It's not mine. And I've got to give it back to the Lord. What are some of those daily things? I, I wrote a few things down that are typical for my life, my family's life, or us. I mean, you think about like relationship problems, right? Maybe you're married and maybe it's problems in your marriage. Maybe you're dating, or maybe it's just friends and friendship drama. I mean, I know that you, only, you have to be married to experience drama, but like there's a, maybe there's other drama, right, that's, that's happening. And, 
and those, that affects your day-to-day. Maybe it's trouble at school. Maybe you're just not getting it. Maybe you have apathy. Maybe it's a little bit of depression or anxiety or worry. Uh, maybe you feel like your grades aren't good enough or you're going to lose that scholarship. Or Maybe you're not making friends or you feel lonely. Maybe it's coworkers that are against you. Like they're not saying it to your face, but you feel uncomfortable and there's passivity and you just don't get along and you feel lonely at work and there's just drama there. Maybe it's financial difficulties that you wake up with dread every single day because you don't know how are we going to make it and what's our bottom line going to be and what is this going to mean and uh, maybe it's because you feel like I can never catch a break come on anybody you're just like really God like we fought one battle and won and you couldn't even let me crack open the champagne and now there's another giant screaming at me like sometimes you know and it's like and God's like Brandon she's three and I'm like but still you know still still you know maybe it's maybe it's it's health problems you know maybe it's maybe there's something going on maybe it's mental health issues maybe it's uh, maybe it's physical health issues maybe it's chronic pain like whatever it may be I want you to know God cares about your daily battles he's with you in them guys he didn't just save you and say isn't that enough He saved you so he could be with you in your daily battles. I believe that Jesus shed his blood so that he could fight these battles for you. Now, listen, that's not getting rid of your personal responsibility. Because sometimes the way that God fights these battles is say, I'll do what only I can do, but you still do what only you can do. So in fighting these battles, it's not a matter of being apathetic when your boss says, hey, you haven't turned anything in in two months. And you're like, I'm just leaving it to the Lord. The Lord, the Lord will take care of the paperwork. You know, Listen, uh, and I'll say this to Breer because I've been missing on sending some of my receipts in. The Lord ain't sending my receipts in, is he, Breer? No, I still have to do that, right? Like we have to, we still got to do what we can do. Okay, but we got to let God do what only God can do. You can't change somebody's heart. You can't you can't jump in and change a circumstance. You can't go back in the past and heal everything. You can't do those things. So let God fight the battles that he's good at and you do what God's equipped you to do in the process. So I believe there are daily battles. But friends, listen to me. If you're taking notes, write this down. I believe there's also an ultimate battle. And I believe this points to an ultimate battle that all of us have. Just like we all have daily battles, we all have an ultimate battle. And it is against a real enemy. And, and, and we call him Satan. And the enemy, I believe, uses two main weapons against us. I believe that there are two main weapons the enemy uses against us. Number one is fear. If he can cause you to be scared, worried, anxious, If he can use fear in your life, then he can paralyze you, and you're not even on the battlefield. You're just, he's just hanging out in the valley screaming at you, and you're just behind a rock. And that's of no threat to anyone. So I believe Satan uses fear. Here's the second thing I believe Satan uses as a weapon against us is our sin. As a way to draw us away from our Father. There's only one thing in this world that separates us from God, and it's sin. If the enemy can cause you to live in fear, then you will never accomplish anything for God's kingdom. 
And if the enemy can keep you in your sin, then he can keep you separated from God. But you were not meant to be separated from God. You were not made to be separated from God. You were made to be in close proximity to your creator. You were made for that. When in the garden, in Genesis chapter 3, when the first sin of the world took place, the first question out of Creator God's mouth was, where are you? We were together, and now we are separate. Where are you? You were not created to be separated from God. You were created to be in close relationship with God. But because of our sin, which is our ultimate battle, we were all separated from God. And here's the problem. None of us can fix that problem. None of us can fight that battle. This book, up until the New Testament, is a book full of stories of people knowing their greatest battle was sin and, and fighting that battle and losing every single time. That's what the Old Testament is a story of. I have a problem, it's my sin, I don't know how to fix it, and I, I mess it up and I can't fix it. And so guys, here's what, here's what happens. Jesus steps into the battle for us. While the battle was hopeless and the battle was going nowhere and we were scared and hiding, Jesus stepped into the battle and he defeated sin on the cross. And then he looked at our last enemy. He looked at our last enemy holding us back, the repercussion for our sin, death. And he gave it a final blow of defeat when he rose from the grave. This is what Jesus did. Now, the worst thing that could ever happen to you is to die, which now becomes the best thing that could ever happen to you because it brings you face-to-face -face in intimate relationship with God, your heavenly Father. I want you to imagine verses 43 and 47. Like I just want you to imagine if that was a, a conversation between Jesus and Satan. I want you to imagine this. Go back and read verse 43 with me, and I'm going to replace some characters. Okay, now this is liberty with God's word. This is not what God's word says, but I'm getting us to the new covenant. I'm getting us to the new testament. I want you to see what Jesus has fulfilled in this story. And Satan said to Jesus, my dog, do you come to me with sticks? The Philistine, I'm sorry, and, and Satan cursed Jesus. Look at verse 45. Then Jesus says to Satan, You come to me with sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines or of, of the enemy this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this is assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands this is the conversation that happened when Jesus died on the cross and so I want you to see this parallel put that uh, picture I have up um, Phil is I want you to see what happened is that David fought the battle with a couple of sticks and Jesus fought the battle with a couple of sticks. The difference is that even though David would fight the battle with his slingshot, 
is that the battle didn't end. It continued and continued and continued because it solved their daily problem, but it did not save their ultimate problem. And then you fast forward to Jesus, where Jesus took his version of a slingshot, the cross, and died on the cross and took the punishment for all of mankind, for all of time, from God there on the cross. And Jesus finally, in one swoop action of living a perfect life and giving that life as a sacrifice for our sin, defeated our daily battle and our ultimate battle. This story of a battle is not just left to David, a shepherd boy, and a giant Goliath. This battle is left to a Savior, and his name is Jesus. So let's finish this uh, story, shall we? Actually, I want to read to you this verse. You don't have to turn there, but listen to Romans chapter 8, verses 37 and 39. It says this, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him. Everyone say him. Who loved us? That's Jesus. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, the victor of the battle. All right, now we'll finish. Verse 48, when the Philistine arose and came and drew to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine, and David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and fell, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of its teeth, and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistine as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way to Sharim as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. I want you to see here that this very reason, um, worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up. I want you to see here that this is the reason why over the next few weeks we're going to be talking about this battleground because... And, and oftentimes in this story, what happens in David and Goliath is we get our application out of whack. And here's how, here's how I was always taught as a little kid. I was always taught as a little kid that uh, it's quite simple, really. David represents all the bad things that happen to us. All the hard days that we have, you know, the, tra the bad traffic, the running out of money, the, all this bad stuff that happens to us, that's Goliath. And David represents us. And God empowers us that all we got to do is pick up a rock, chunk it at our problems, and it falls to the ground. And yay, everyone cheers for Brandon. He's our hero. Here's the problem. After years of living life following Jesus, that has never actually happened. Even the days that I feel like the hero, 
Nobody's hoisting me up on their shoulders shouting for he's a jolly good fellow. Like that's, I know it's one of my dreams, but that's never happened. Instead, guys, when we read the Bible, here's what we find. We find that Goliath actually represents our daily and ultimate battle. The daily battles that we face every day and our ultimate battle, that we are separated from God because of our sin. David represents our Savior, who is Jesus. And Jesus came, and Jesus fought the battle. Jesus stepped in on our behalf and went toe-to-toe with our sin and with the enemy and, and slaughtered him and defeated him and beat him. And you go, well, Brandon, that's really great, but uh, you know, I'm not trying to be arrogant, but uh, where am I in the story? I'm so glad you asked, because you're in the story. It's just you're hiding under the rocks and the bushes and the trees. You're the scared Israelites. We are the scared Israelites on the mountain saying for 40 days, how much longer will he torture us? You go, no, you go, we're not going. Let's just stay behind the rock. That's us. But brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you, this year, get out from behind the rock. For a Savior has fought the battle, and He has reigned victorious. Church, that's what I want for us this year. I want you to know that this is a battleground. Man, this life is hard. It is a battleground. When we worship, it's a battleground. It's a battleground when you get lost in your thoughts in the middle of the day. It's a battleground when you're trying to serve Jesus and serve others. It's a battleground when you show up to community group. It's a battleground when you're trying to pray and read your Bible. And listen, the the first step is not for you to rise up and grab your sling and try to fight it. Brothers and sisters, the first step is to know the battle has already been won. So go ahead and surrender. So what if our first step this year is not to fight the battle of 2023, but to surrender to it, trusting that we have a Savior who is fully able, fully capable to fight the battle and win the battle? Would you guys pray with me? Just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask you today, man, what battle are you fighting? What battle are you fighting today in your mind? What battle are you fighting at school? What battle are you fighting at work, in your home? What battle are you fighting with your kids or in your own heart? Do you have the faith today to surrender that battle into the Lord's hands? Maybe the battle you've been fighting is actually with God. Maybe the battle you're fighting actually isn't against the enemy, but you're going, God, I don't know if I trust you. I don't know if I believe in you. I don't know if I want your will for my life. Jesus, if I follow you, I may not make enough money. Jesus, if I follow you, I might lose some popularity. Jesus, if I, if I follow you, I might have to start doing things differently. And so maybe the surrender today isn't really to a battle, but your surrender is to God and to wave the white flag. 
God will do more in the life of someone surrendered this year than he will to someone who tries to be a soldier. Today, let's surrender this battle to the Lord. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.